Good morning. Good morning. Waking with the Stop. word. the day in the word. Give yourself a shake and grab yourself a coffee. And a cup of tea. Waking, Waking with the word. Good morning. Welcome to Waking with the Word. We are in the series Finding the Kingdom of Heaven After Easter. And this is part eight. I want to take you on a roller coaster ride. Now, this is an exciting roller coaster. There are many highs, there are many lows. There are times you're going fast, there are times you're being pulled back slowly, and you're not sure what's going to happen until suddenly you will zoom off into the future, only to come to an absolute standstill and not understand what on earth is going on now at all. Your brain will shake, your body will shudder, and you will scream, as you drop down to the ground with one almighty thud, then zoom back to the place you started at first. Okay, I want to talk about life. I want to talk about the life of the disciples. I want to take you from when they met Jesus and he said, come, follow me. What an exciting period of their life as they clung onto every single word he said and rejoiced in every miracle they saw. Then they went out on their own, didn't they? And they came back and they said, even the demons, they were obeying us. They went with nothing and all was provided for them. All of this was gearing up, gearing up, gearing up, and then they saw that he did the very thing prophesied in scripture in the Old Testament. He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. The scripture in the Old Testament where it talks about him riding into Jerusalem on a donkey is actually a prophecy that the king would come and he would give them back their very own nation. Yes, the king was coming on a donkey and everyone was to cry out. In fact, this is the scripture. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. He's coming to you, righteous and having salvation. He is humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot of Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Listen to that. That's what they thought he was coming to do when he rode into Jerusalem only a week before he was killed. So did they shout out, crucify, because he came and they thought he was pretending to be the king, to be their king, the one who would overthrow these fake Roman rulers and get them out of their land. But he didn't do it, did he? He didn't do it. And therefore, he should die. Now the disciples are watching this. The followers of Jesus and Mary Magdalene and the mother of Jesus. A small band of his followers stood at the foot of the cross, is what the Bible says. From a tremendous high, they went to a tremendous low. They buried him in the tomb. We've spoken about that. They waited three long, hard days, probably not even knowing who they were, 
confused. How could a week ago he be fine? How could everything that they've seen him do over three years end in this? Then they go to the tomb and they hear he is risen. And then they see him. Now we're going to talk about this interim period before he goes back up to heaven later on in this series. But the first thing I want to say to you is, they see him. He's alive. They see him several times. They touch his scars. We spoke about that yesterday. They eat with him by the sea. We will talk about that. He takes them to the Mount of Olives and he says, wait. Wait. He tells them they are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Not that they have but they are going to. Have they not been through enough? Have they not waited long enough? Have they not become meek and mild and weak? Do they have to go through even more waiting? The disciples experienced their own lockdown. In the UK at the moment, we are going through lockdown. We are all to stay inside unless we're a key worker. The disciples were to go into the upper room and wait, and wait, and wait. They were to pray, they were to watch, and they were to wait, and wait, and wait. Now we know that at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them in power, but we also know The waiting was probably excruciating because did they really need to wait that long? Did they really need to go through so much? Was this really part of this amazing plan, this fantastic adventure? Well, we know that it was, but we also know that to them, honestly, it must have felt so long and so hard. We we often talk about this time in the Bible as if it was so exciting, as if it's a dramatic victory. And yes, it is. But I want to ask, did it feel like a victory to them? Do you think they may have been going out of their heads at some point, wondering what on earth was going on? When was he gonna do it? And then Jesus promises, doesn't he, before he leaves this earth that time, that he will return. But he would be with them, behold, until the end of the age. But he was going to be with them in a different way to what they knew him be with them before. And from that moment on, until the time he returns, people of faith will wonder when. They'll wonder how. They will wonder about the signs. Many people have tried to discern when he will come back because we're still waiting. We're still going through our very own adventure with God. He's still giving us time to make the changes that we need to make. And one of the changes that we need to make is to learn to wait. Not just to wait in the upper room for the dramatic to happen and the power to come, but to wait every single day. To have a peace and a calm that can only be given by him because we are trusting in him. 
because we know that firm is his promise and sure is his character. In every tribulation, in every trial, in every high, in every low, it should not be, when are you going to do it? It should be, you are with me. And you are who you are right now. Even though the circumstance is not as I would wish it to be or feel I need it to be. The promise is sure, yes, he will return, but the Holy Spirit was sent to be with me now. And Jesus said that was power. He didn't say the power would come when he returned. He said the power would come when the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the consoler is the word that he used. The companion is sent to be with me now. The great thing that Jesus was doing was to bring me back to God, to bring me back to a relationship with God, to bring me back to the place of calm and peace and safety inside in the midst of a tremendous roller coaster ride. The last three years I've been on a dramatic journey. Sometimes it's been so hard. There have been very lovely highs in some ways, but a lot of excruciating lows. And and I've had to really dedicate myself to what God has asked me to do. I try and get it right with him. And a few months ago, I suddenly thought, what would I do if it all suddenly stopped? Would I humanly be happy because it's been so hard? And I just thought, I would sit and say, what a tremendous adventure I had. At the times it seems hard, but when I've gone through it, I I think, wow, Lord, that was incredible. I guess it's like being on a roller coaster. At the time it's scary, but you get off and you think, wow, that was amazing. Maybe not all of us. The power of the Holy Spirit is given for the present time. He is the same yesterday, today and forever, but he comes and he works in our time and we have a conscious mind. We are here now. The Bible makes it very plain that we are to think about the now, not to worry about the future or dwell on the past. And the power of the Holy Spirit is given to me in my now. Yes, I am waiting for Jesus to come back. Yes, the disciples were waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. But each day has enough trouble of its own, is what Jesus said, and we are to focus on each day. We're not to look for Jesus coming back. He said, in fact, even he does not know when it is. Only the Father knows. We're not to try and discern when he's going to come back or put a date on it. There are many people who like to seem clever And they'll try and work it out and they preach it and time and time again they've looked stupid because it just has not happened. But we are to focus on now. If you want to get through tremendous trouble, years of pain or struggle, if you want something to succeed, you need to focus on now. Yes, we make plans or guidelines for the future, but we don't know what's going to happen. What we do know is what is happening now and what he has said about now. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He was with them when he ascended into heaven. 
He was with them in the upper room waiting, and that was the reason they could get through the waiting. He never left them. Although the Holy Spirit was going to come in power upon them, the Holy Spirit was with them, present with them. God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. He is always ever-present. In the Old Testament, do not be afraid, it says, for I am with you wherever you go. It wasn't that the Holy Spirit wasn't present. It was that the Holy Spirit was going to be available to them in a brand new way, in a deeper way, because Jesus had broken death. Jesus had shown that God will never let you go. Jesus had risen again. He'd broken every chain. He'd broken every barrier. He took the punishment that was received back in the Garden of Eden because we disobeyed what God had asked us to do, which was to keep ourselves free from the knowledge of sin, from the knowledge of good and evil, to keep ourselves free from being able to do wickedness and being able to think about it and to make plans for it. Because God is primarily and totally, completely good. So anything evil cannot stand a relationship with him. He can't have that relationship with the evil thing because he's not evil at all. It's completely a polar opposite to him and his character. So when I learn to do evil and I discern evil, how can he have anything to do with that? And it became part of us. It's part of our natural ability. But he looked at us and he said, you're so good. I will make a way back. I will make a way to be able to have a relationship with you. And I'll make a way to be able to change you back. So your heart will be pure and your desires will be good. And your character will live that out. This is why Paul said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Because our flesh seems to always be able to return to selfishness. Selfishness is the complete polar opposite to who God is. There is one who is selfish, but it's not God. He wants to eradicate that from me. He wants to bring me to the place where when I wait, I wait with him and on him. And I have the peace and the calm assurance that I'm held by him. And this calm assurance is more than just a thought in my head. And it's not just in my heart. It's a deep knowing in the very pit of my absolute being. The roller coaster is a tremendous adventure. But my companion, my companion who rides that with me knows no fear. He knows the beginning from the end. He's there when I suddenly come back to where I started from and think, oh God, what was it all for? The disciples stood as Jesus rose into heaven after telling them they had to wait again. And I do wonder if they thought, again, what, what are we here for? I mean, come on. He was going to do it. He didn't do it. 
He was murdered. He came back. He was going to do it. Surely he's going to do it now. He didn't do it. He went back up to heaven and told us to wait even more and wait again. But you know, they did what Jesus said. And I believe that this time they did it to the letter because they'd seen the power of God. Okay, he's telling me to wait, but he's the one who rose from the grave. Okay, it doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel nice, but he's the one who rose from the grave. Okay, we've to shut ourselves away. It makes no sense, but he's the one that rose from the grave. Okay, he's not physically answered our prayers and done what we wished or wanted or thought, but he's the one that rose from the grave. And he has promised power to me. And that power doesn't seem to be working out the way I think it should, but do you know what? I want that power because he's the one that rose from the grave. And when the power came upon them, the nation of Israel was not given back to them. The land, the promised land, was not theirs again. Did they think power to receive the land back was going to come upon them? Perhaps they did, but they didn't get it back. But they got power that was tremendously different to what they would have assumed, perhaps to what they wanted. But my goodness me, that power changed the whole world. Their message that you can have a relationship with God, that he is interested in man, spread throughout the whole world. And the Christian faith was born. That power was greater than the nation of Israel having their land back. That power was to everybody. God is always doing something bigger. He's doing something greater. The promises he gives us we don't always understand. But if we will wait with him. He will fulfill every word he has said to us. Living life with God can be confusing at times. But we must realise that that which we don't understand, we can entrust to him. For he understands it all fully. And he has asked not that we understand him, but that we love him. That we know him. That we seek him. That we listen to him. That we desire him. That we come every single day wanting to know what he has to say. Or be to us that day at that moment. For we live in time we live now and he is doing greater than we could ever ask or could imagine but he's never said he's going to explain it he said we are going to live it out as we live it out with him the disciples learnt to walk with him instead of following as they did when he was on earth they then walked with him with the holy spirit And that is what we want to learn. We want the power of God. We want to find the kingdom of heaven. We want to walk with him daily. We want to talk with him daily. We want to know him daily for today so that he can continue to lead us on to the great and mighty things that he is doing. We will begin in this series to talk about the waiting in the upper room. We will begin to seek the Holy Spirit. We will most likely do this series up until Pentecost. 
for we want a deeper infilling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So very often we ask, Lord, do something great with me. But then the roller coaster starts. And it's hard. But you know what? It's so tremendously fantastic to walk out life with God. It's an adventure. And to take that adventure, we need to hold the hand of one who is solid and firm and sure. I will speak to you tomorrow. God bless. If you would like to support our work, you can find details at info at comebacktogod.org.